0: All right, my friends, thanks for tuning into the podcast, where, as always, we'll discuss the professional literature and the evidence-based protocol as they relate to the effective treatment of clinically significant anxiety symptoms. I'm Chris Lines, licensed psychotherapist and OCD spectrum disorders treatment specialist. And this, well, this is OCD Straight Talk. All right, my friends. Um, so, yeah, I, I received a, an email over the weekend, uh, and I think a, a really great question embedded within it related to uh, substances, various substances that have been used as anxiolytics, that is to say anti-anxiety medications, whether they're designed um, within the classification of uh, anxiolytics or not. So, in other words, uh, the question is essentially, are there medications that um that you meaning in this case, me, uh, suggest individuals take in relationship to the treatment of their OCD symptoms or more generally speaking, their anxiety problems. And, uh, the, the, the sort of explicit and direct answer to the question is no, because I'm not a mental, uh, I'm forgive me. I'm not a medical practitioner. Uh, I don't, I don't prescribe medications. Um, so I don't pretend to give medical advice. Uh, that said, and that's not really what the individual is asking. Hey, by the way, are you a doctor? No, no, no. the The, the individual is asking, you know, more generally speaking, are there uh, medications that individuals can take? Whether I am qualified to prescribe them or not is again superfluous to the question. And so, okay, um, it, it's a bit of a loaded question because the research seems to be a bit divided uh, in relationship to a lot of the various substances. Uh, you know, for, for example, I mentioned a moment ago, anxiolytics, uh, well, there are different classifications or kinds of anxiolytics and and anxiolytic meaning anti-anxiety substance or medication. Um, and, uh, so there's a specific, uh, subtype or, or again, classification of anxiolytics called benzodiazepines. Uh, these are, these tend to be highly habit forming, or we might say addictive substances, uh, and, um. You know, but um, beyond the fact that they are known to be uh, habit-forming substances, there's also been some really good research that that has come out in the last about six years that is specific to um, uh, to exposure therapy. Uh, so, so the research has has essentially indicated uh, that the uh, the usage or the consumption of benzos um uh during exposure therapy is contraindicated um uh with relationship to progress so what does that mean well it means essentially that if we're taking benzos um along with consuming uh exposure therapy the benzos are actually going to get in the way of the learning process uh, uh and and thereby um uh stop individuals from therapeutically benefiting from, from the exposure work. Uh, so it's, it's, it's only fair for me to specifically state that this, um, uh, that this research is, uh, is exclusive to prolonged exposure for post-traumatic stress disorder. So the research hasn't been conducted in relationship to OCD, but before we're sort of like running to say, oh, okay, let me go get some benzos. Hang on a moment. Uh, Let's say it this way: Exposure therapy is exposure therapy, okay? Uh, and anxiety disorders are anxiety disorders. So, uh, although this research is exclusive to prolonged exposure um, for pro- post-traumatic stress disorder, there is not any legitimate, logical, or empirical reason to conclude that the same outcome data is uh, is is somehow um, uh, uh, that it doesn't include exposure and response prevention for OCD. Uh, so in other words, uh, that's those same outcome data, although they were presented as, as specific to and exclusive to, to, um, PTSD work, they really would also include OCD work. So in other words, if you're going to see your therapist and you're doing exposure and response prevention, but you're also taking uh, a benzodiazepine, uh, the research would indicate I'm not a fortune teller. I have no idea what's happening in your life, but I would, I would, um, uh, I'm, I'm a big proponent of the research. Um, I'm I'm a competent therapist because I'm well-trained in the research. And so I believe the research. I trust the research. And the research would suggest that uh, you're probably not making a whole lot of progress. Uh, So again, I'm not a fortune teller. I don't know that. But the research would suggest, so what? So So here's the idea. And here's the one proviso. Here's the one sort of like, but... Uh, you know, with regard to the research, this particular uh, research study uh, and clinical trial, and the the big but is um, now I, I'm I'm saying this not having looked at the study actually for several years, uh, so I. I don't think I'm misremembering. I'm, I'm confident that I'm not misremembering. But if I'm if I'm not misremembering the uh, the research, the proviso is that individuals can take the benzos at night exclusively. So if the individuals are not taking the benzos, PRN. Uh, which is sort of a Latin uh, um, uh, uh, phrase right that indicates as needed, right PRN is as a medical term meaning as needed, right? So uh, so we take the we take the benzos as needed when we have panic attacks, this kind of thing. So as long as we're not taking it as needed, but only at night uh, at bedtime, then the benzos are not clinically contraindicated in the use of exposure therapy. But if we are taking them, as needed, then they're going to cause our our wheels to spin in the snowstorm, if you follow what I'm meaning to say. In other words, they're going to get in the way of our progress. So we want to work with our psychiatrist or our PCP, that is to say our our family physician, to uh, to relegate the usage of the benzos to only at night. Now, Now, let me be very, very clear. I am not giving you medical advice okay i don't give medical advice um i'm a psychotherapist i'm not a physician i'm not a, a medical professional i'm not giving you medical advice but i am saying to you there's some good research that suggests that uh, the ongoing usage of benzos um uh, other than at night can get in the way of your therapeutic progress for uh with exposure therapy so see your physician um your psychiatrist etc uh with regard to that that research i will also say to you um that many physicians i mean there's so many research studies out there i can't imagine there's a lot for me as a psychotherapist to keep track of i cannot begin to imagine um the 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 phenomenal body of of, of literature and knowledge that physicians are expected to uh to to maintain a familiarity with so Many physicians are not really fully um, familiar with or aware of uh, this particular study, uh, so I wouldn't be half surprised if, if somebody said, ah, don't worry about it. But there is research, and it's uh, pretty clear outcome data. So um, if you're experiencing, oh, I'm, I'm not really getting much better, uh, but I'm, I'm really trying to do things according to protocol standard, but I'm not really getting much better, and you're taking a benzo, I would bet that you're probably falling into that category that the research study speaks to. And you probably need to change your your uh, medical regimen or your medicinal regimen. But again, speak with your physician. Don't don't just make medical changes on your own. Let's speak with a physician and and do so under his or her uh, medical and clinical supervision. So that that's a good call. Anyways, all right. So I wanted to uh, to, to to speak about benzos. There's another one. Um, um, Obviously, SSRIs, uh, selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors, uh, are are really really well researched and documented as effective interventions for the reduction of intrusive thoughts. Uh, oftentimes individuals will sort of think about SSRIs as, as like curing OCD. Uh, my friends, there is no cure for OCD that doesn't exist. Uh, David Barlow in his clinical handbook of psychological disorders, the fifth edition, uh, provides some outcome data relative to SSRIs and shows that, uh, about 90% of individuals, that's nine, zero, 90% of individuals who discontinue SSRIs, uh, experience a, um, uh, uh, a, a, a sort of a reuptake, uptake or, or uh, um, uh, a continuation, we might say, a relapse perhaps um, of uh, or re-emergence of symptoms of 14 days after discontinuing or titrating off of the medication. Uh, So there is no cure for the OCD. The SSRIs are merely uh, reducing the frequency of the intrusive thoughts, thereby also reducing the anxiety that comes with them. And as a result of reducing thoughts and anxiety, individuals are engaging compulsions less often. So it's an effective um, uh, treatment, treatment for the OCD, but, and this is a big but, we have to remain on the medication in order for the treatment to continue its efficacy. Uh, whereas with something like a behavioral intervention like exposure and response prevention, um, we're not having to remain in therapy. We're not having to remain, uh, engaging the protocol for the rest of our lives. We're simply learning skills and using them as needed. Uh, so in any case, I'm not meaning this isn't me, you know, saying, Hey, don't, don't take meds. Again, I'm not a medical professional. I'm not giving you medical advice. Um, I'm a big proponent of things that work uh, to help individuals make progress and relieve their suffering. And uh, research is is crystal clear and resoundingly so that SSRIs are effective. So this is not me saying don't do that. Uh, just, just be educated and be informed when you're engaging that particular modality that I'm going to have to stay on meds. Uh, and, and when I get off of meds, research is is suggesting the likelihood that my, my symptoms will reemerge. So, okay. That's not necessarily a bad thing. Lots of, I have lots of patients on, on uh, meds and that's okay. Just remember when I say meds, I'm talking about SSRIs, not benzos. So remember that piece and that outcome data related to benzos. Okay. Uh, the next one is cannabis. Uh, this is, I think, um, uh, you know uh uh oh 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 there's some other stuff there's some like, some, some uh over the counter things like saint john's wort and and uh and other uh you know kind of like uh vitamins and and supplements uh you know hey chris would you suggest any of this stuff uh the short answer is no um and and by that again i'm not a pharmacist i'm i'm i don't mean to uh uh i'm not meaning to to speak in some sort of uh, disparaging way toward over-the-counter medications or or substances uh, you know etc again no I'm not meaning to do that but have I seen uh, really good research uh, that says dude this stuff's gonna really help you not just you know Billy Bob that says hey way to go this stuff's cool but like you know good outcome data coming from major universities and uh, and clinical trials saying this stuff, is meaningful this stuff will produce uh good results for quote unquote the masses that is to say for the general population no i haven't seen those sorts of results uh so uh, have i found uh over-the-counter substances that that will somehow uh, somehow act as an added benefit to other interventions again no, pretty much. When we're talking about major depressive disorder, there are some over-the-counter pieces that can be uh, helpful, and there is research on that. But for OCD, um, uh, no, uh, there's, there's not a lot that I've seen, uh, which brings us to, uh, to cannabis uh, and THC, things like this. So uh, again, I, I, I began... Um, This podcast, I believe, uh, if I'm not misremembering, by saying the research is a bit divided. And that is particularly true when it comes to cannabis use. Uh, Some research studies will say, you know, smoking up is is not um, related to uh, increase of likelihood for the onset of anxiety symptoms. Others will say, oh, yeah, it is. And, and so, you know, if you Google something like that, will, will smoking weed make my anxiety worse? Uh, or, you know, is, is cannabis, ongoing cannabis use uh, indicated in, in increased anxiety problems or whatever, you're going to find some people are saying yes, and other people are saying absolutely not, you know, and it's just sort of like, I don't really know where to go with it. And I, and I would say that if you're looking really, so, so okay, bef- before I go there, so let me say the research Appears to be and really is divided, right? Um, so as long as I've been treating anxiety and and OCD in particular, this question has come up, right? Well, will will getting drunk every night make my OCD worse? Uh, will smoking up all the time make my OCD worse? And because there's there's divided research on it, right? And individuals self medicate and they ask these questions when they get into session. They're like, "Dude, can I smoke?" or whatever. And so again, the research. Is divided. Okay, I've said that. So moving forward, let me say this further. The idea of it is the yes, the research is divided, but the guys and gals or the studies that are saying no, um, generally speaking, they're talking short-term. Now, again, are there exceptions to this rule? Yes, the research is divided. Um, but by and large, the majority, it may be a slim majority, but the majority of the studies that are saying, no, no, it's all right, it's all right, do it, are talking about short term. In other words, they're saying um, cannabis use is, is a meaningful intervention. It's going to help you to calm down. People use it all the time. It's good. It's helpful, blah, blah. And that's fine. Um, the, the research studies that are saying, no, no, don't, it's bad, it's bad, are talking not short term, but long term. They're saying over the course of time, that is to say, ongoing usage. We're not talking about you know, I smoked up last, last summer, and now this is the long-term effect. No, no, no. But ongoing repeated usage. You know, you know, guys and gals that smoke up, you know, every day or or several times a week. Um, you know, and, and we're talking ongoingly. Like I had a patient the other day and she said I tried weed for the first time. And then the next time we met, she said, I tried it again. And the next time she met, I tried it again. But you know what? I'm done. Okay, okay, fine. That's not ongoing. So we're talking about. Repeated ongoing usage uh, multiple times a week for weeks and weeks and weeks and months and months and years and years of time. So, you follow what I'm meaning to say when I say ongoing usage. The long term effect, uh, the research is suggesting is yes, it is going to increase the likelihood of anxiety symptoms. And if you're already having anxiety, hence you're self medicating, it's um, suggesting that you will likely. Um, uh experience an increase in in anxiety over time so if you don't have anxiety you'll likely get it and if you have it you'll likely get worse so that's that's what the research is suggesting for long-term drawbacks of ongoing cannabis use whereas again the short term is you know hey man it's going to help you feel better so I, i i hope that maybe we can sort of look at a loose comparison of sugar is really yummy uh, and, and, you know, and, and, and carbs are just delightfully delicious and comfortable or comfort foods uh, in the short run. But over the, the longer course of time, uh, sugars have been demonstrated to be, you know, uh, you know uh, addictive and unhealthy and, and, you know, people gain weight and they're associated with the onset of heart disease and, and some cancers. And, you know, so it's like short term, it's like, yes. Long term, it's like eh, probably not, and so this is the idea with cannabis use too. In short term, it's like yeah, dude, go, and then long term, it's like no, dude, stop. So, anyways, hope that's helpful. Um, so again, benzos no go for exposure therapy. SSRIs yes, definitely helpful. There are some other medications too, uh, over the counter uh, things, um, and again, there's a variety of of over the counter. I haven't seen anything that's jumping off the shelf as this is so helpful. Occasionally, you know, you're going to see somebody who's like, dude, this changed my life, you know, but, uh, I'm sorry. I never buy that stuff because usually that person's going to end up in treatment again, you know, like two months later or whatever it is. Oh, you know, and again, I'm not meaning to point fingers or point or, or, or poke fun really, Uh, you know, that that's not what I'm doing here, but I have my point is I haven't seen like, I haven't seen anything that's like incredible that's over the counter um sadly but no um i'm i'm i am a like i said a proponent of the research um knowing the evidence based literature the professional uh literature changed my professional life uh it made me as a as a clinician uh good supervision and uh and following the research carefully uh you know really kind of made my career and i think it's done that for for many clinicians for decades of time. So like I, I I just tend to follow that, which uh, is documented in outcome data and, and tend to not pay a whole lot of attention to things that are not in the outcome data. Um, So in this case, you know, like certain uh, whatever vitamins or supplements or whatever for anxiety, um, you know, there there's always exceptions to every rule, no matter how, uh, serious one is about the rule, there's always going to be exceptions. And I'm sure there are exceptions to this rule. So this is not me trying to be like, you know, I'm the master of the, of the, you know, professional universe. I mean, there, there certainly will be exceptions to the rule. But again, is there something specific that I would generally suggest individuals take in terms of a supplement? The answer to that is no. Um, and then finally, we talked about cannabis, uh, and, uh, you know, smoking up if that's what you wish to do. Uh, is uh, research shows is is probably going to help to reduce your anxiety in the moment. Over the course of time and ongoing use, it will. Um, again, the research strongly suggests it will exacerbate your situation. So, anyways, hope that's helpful. Um, I did my best to sort of run the gambit here of uh, of substances uh, that are sometimes used um, for. Um, uh, I, I, I didn't do alcohol. Let me let me jump into that one really quickly. Um, I, am I'm not really familiar with, with research that says kind of comparative to cannabis that says ongoing intoxication will likely cause the onset of, of anxiety symptoms or OCD. No, I don't know of any research that says that has said that. I don't know of any research that says it's going to make your anxiety worse. Um, obviously, um, uh, irresponsible drinking uh, causes lots of problems for people um, and, and that's that's you know that's an unfortunate um, reality for individuals who have you um, know specific uh, behavioral patterns or addictions of this kind uh, but does it cause increased anxiety symptoms? Uh, I'm not aware of any research that says yes um, uh, so okay but again I'll also say that, uh, I have discontinued therapeutic work with individuals who just go home and drink every night, right? So I, I've, I've stated to them, uh, your drinking is in effect serving as a compulsion because you're avoiding, you're drinking to avoid your thoughts. You're drinking yourself into madness and and passing out. This is a way for you to avoid your thoughts. And in that sense, we can say this is a compulsion and it's keeping you symptomatic uh, and therefore, if it continues, I'm not going to be able to provide services for you. And I've unfortunately, on some occasions, had to follow that up with, I can't work with you anymore, right? And I'm referring you to AA or something like this. So um, that's never a pleasant conversation to have. But again, does the research say ongoing alcohol use will make things worse? No, but it it definitely in some instances, and I emphasize in some instances, not all instances, that is um, uh, does serve as a, as a ritualistic pattern in a loose sense, and uh, and certainly keeps individuals uh, symptomatic over time. So, um, okay, so there's a lot to cover here, and I hope that that was helpful. Uh, I was sort of working to uh, to jog my memory and go through a couple of studies before I uh, I hit the record button here. And, and, and in doing so, I realized there's such a phenomenal volume of data. There's so many different research studies to look at, and so it's much easier simply to sort of summarize in non-specific ways what the research, again, in general, is saying, than to point to you know Williams at all reported this, while you know this this study over here reported the opposite. And of course, there's this series of studies over here that say you know this, and and then a, you know a literature review of this piece says something's Still different. And, you know, it's, it's just easier to give you like a, a general, this is the basic idea over the course of time of what, of what the literature is saying. So, anyways, again, hope that's helpful. Reach out with any questions you might have, as always, to chrisline 4 gmailcom um, And thanks very much for listening to OCD Straight Talk.